Merry Christmas and, uh, and welcome to Cross Point. You know, one of the things that, uh, that has taken me into my 40s to learn is that joy and sorrow can exist in the same heart. That we can experience joy of, of Christ and of being together. And at the same time, um, we can experience sadness and, um, and sorrow and we can carry heaviness. And we can carry that in the same heart. And, um, and so while we rejoice and we sing about the realities of God's love for us and God's love through us, at the same time, our hearts are heavy over what um, families and people in Middle Tennessee have experienced um, over the last 24 hours with the storms, especially in Clarksville and in Madison and Hendersonville. And, uh, and so we carry that in our hearts. And, and as a church, you know, one of the things I love, I mean, we, we sang it in that song, it's like, God is love, and so we want to love others, and others will know us by our love. And so one of the first questions people ask me, like, well, what can we do? How can we help? And, uh, and at Crosspoint, we talk about um, pray, give, go. And, uh, and so we start with prayer, and then give, and then, and then we go together. And, and so right now, our teams, we're assessing the, the damage and the needs and the opportunities. And I want to encourage you to stay with us online. You can follow on social media or go to uh, crosspoint.tv local. And as opportunities are available, we're going to share those with you of how we can serve together. But uh, I thought we would take a moment um, just together as a church and, uh, and pray together. Prayer is not the only thing we do, but it's the first thing we do. And so, uh, so let's, let's pray together. I'm just encouraged just to bow your, your heads before God and uh, just to eliminate distraction. And I want you to know your prayers matter. So I want to invite you right now just to that we pray, and I'll just guide you through a prayer. So let's just acknowledge that God is love and that he's the God of all comfort and he's comforted us so that we can comfort others. And so right now, let's just let's lift up those families we just pray and you just whisper your prayer to God. Pray for those families who have experienced loss. Both in loved ones and in possessions. Those who have lost their homes. Pray for God's comfort, for his peace, for the hope of Jesus. They put hope in their hearts. Let's pray for those businesses and for those churches that have experienced loss in the wake of the storm. Pray that God would give them the strength and the wisdom and the grace. And now let's pray for the church as followers of Jesus. That an unbelieving world would know us by our love. Father, you would give us opportunities in our conversations and in our actions to reveal that you are love and that you are good and that you can be trusted that even in the storms of life, we can know your peace and we can carry your peace and we can offer that peace to others. So Jesus, would you help us do that as your church? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so we pray as a church, in reality is nobody plans on a, uh, on a tornado, and nobody plans on a storm. Nobody plans for the storms of life. In fact, sometimes interruptions happen in life because we live in a broken, fallen world filled with uncertainty, and sometimes interruptions happen in life that are, that are divine interruptions. Sometimes God um, interrupts, interrupts our lives. And so today, I want us to have a conversation 
Um, as we're talking about worthy of, of a God who is worthy to, to interrupt our lives, and how do we respond to divine interruptions? And so I want us to learn from a long snapper and from a couple of teenagers in Middle Tennessee. Okay? And, uh, and so um, we have a friend, Matt Overton, who uh, Matt and his wife, Bree, they have a podcast, Stay Ready, but they didn't make their career with a podcast. Uh, they made their career, he made his career as a uh, long snapper for, uh, in, the, in the NFL. And... Um, and if you're not familiar with what a long snapper does, they snap the ball a long way. And so that's what, um, that's what they do. I'm glad I can help you. And, uh, and so um, Matt was a long snapper. And he, in his career, he played for quite a few teams, played for the Colts, the Jags, the Chargers, the Titans, the Cowboys. And his mantra is, stay ready. Like, that's his, that's his mantra is, is stay ready. Because as a long snapper, you never know when you're going to be called in the game. And you never know when you're going to be called up to a, to a team. And in fact, um, a couple years ago, he was, um, he was cut from the, um, from the Titans. And so I thought I was like, I w- I'll reach out. As a friend, I'll reach out and try, you know, just encourage. I want to encourage him. And when I sat down with him over lunch, he encouraged me. So I just want to check in on him, see how he's doing. Here's what he said. He said, Kevin, I'm good. He said, but my identity is not in what I do. It's in Christ and who I am in him. He said, that's the same no matter what team I play for or if I play at all. He said, my worth comes from Jesus. I'm like, that'll preach. I think it just did, right? I mean, that, and, and so when he said that, he said, stay ready. Stay ready is my, my mantra. And what did he do after he got cut? Well, he went back to the gym. He started leading clinics for, um, for high school players, almost average, for college players, to be able to help them, and he kept training. And eventually, he got a call from the, from the Chargers, and they were on a playoff run, to, uh, to come and help them. I thought, man, what a, what a phrase, stay ready. That is the purpose of Advent. The purpose of Advent is to help us stay ready. To stay ready for what? For Christ's return. In the early church, the early church practiced Advent because they knew that just like Jesus came the first time, that he's coming again. And so Advent is that preparation. It's that waiting time. It's the opportunity for us to stay ready for Christ's return. Because when Jesus came the first time, it was an interruption. (laughs) It was a promised interruption. It was a prophesied error, but it was an interruption. When Jesus comes the next, it's going to be an interruption. The way that God has orchestrated, it's not on anybody's calendar. I think that's one of the reasons it will be an interruption because nobody has uh, it on their Google calendar. Nobody has it on their iCal. Nobody has it on their, um, if you still keep a day timer. Nobody's writing down the date. We don't know the date. And so we, while we can't um, plan for it, we can plan on it. And we can prepare for it, and we stay ready. We can stay ready. And, and one of the problems is we don't, we don't like interruptions. Like we don't like interruptions. We like plans and goals. We like lists and schedules and routines. Any list makers in the house? We know who you are because you're not taking notes. You're writing down what you need for groceries this week. Like you already, that's what you do. You make lists, look, we love efficiency and productivity and getting things done. And one of the reasons we hate interruptions in life is because it slows us down. It slows down our plans and our agenda. It slows down what we have to do. And historically, the more successful a person is, um, the more resistant they are or the more they protected they are from Interruptions. Historically, um, the higher someone rises, 
the less interruptible they are. So a CEO of a large company, they might, they might have multiple assistants in a private office and, and private transportation and a private number and private email. Just harder, the higher someone rises, the less interruptible they tend to be. But now with technology and with the way things are, anybody can be uninterruptible. Now with, we have caller ID and do not disturb on our phones. We've got AirPods to put in. If you put two AirPods in and you pull your hoodie up, at the BNA, that's camouflage. At the airport, that's camouflage. I say, you don't see me, don't interrupt me. Now, I don't know what to do with somebody that puts one AirPod in. I don't know. I'm always a little, like, I know two AirPods, you're off the grid. One AirPod, you keep me guessing. Because I don't know, you could be listening to death metal. I don't know if you want to kill me or if you want to be my friend. I don't know. I don't know if you're with me or I don't know if you're, if you're out. This, 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 this thing of AirPods and a hoodie in life is that we can all be uninterrupted. None of us like interruptions because we have a plan. We have agenda. We, we resist interruptions, especially if we're in a hurry. Hurry and interruptions don't mix. And that's why especially at this time of year, we tend to resist interruptions because we have a full agenda. We have a lot of things that we gotta get done that we're trying to cram into this season and Advent is helping us slow down. Slow down, like we talked about last week, amidst the hurry, to slow down and to see the interruptions because most of the time when God wants to do something significant in our life, it shows up as an interruption. I mean, I want you to think about it. Even if you'd say, you know what, I don't know if I believe in God. Even if you'd say you might not believe in God, you could probably look back and see some of your most significant conversations, some of your most meaningful moments, some of the most important relationships in your life didn't start on the calendar. It started looking like an interruption. It started out looking like an interruption. Uh, Rhea and I, we took some of the campus pastors and our leadership team and spouses on a marriage retreat. To, we went away for, um, for a couple days. And, and as, we, uh, as, we, as we got away, we, one of the first things we did was we sat around tables and we shared the stories. We said, tell the stories of how you met, of how you met. And it was, I mean, hearing those stories was great, but I can tell you what, what just about all of those stories and those conversations had is that most of those meetings I can say none of them began on the calendar. None of them began planned out. They all looked a lot like interruptions. And one of my favorite stories um, comes from uh, Kyle and, um, and Jenna Sullivan. Um, they, uh, they were dating, and they, uh, and they broke it off. Uh, I know. Um, they broke it off. We were, we were just, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I'm like, what happened next? Well, after they broke it off, um, Kyle had this job, and Kyle's job was to sell billboards and Kyle's boss said to Kyle, Kyle, I have this idea. Here's what we can do. We can take your face and we can put it on billboards all across the area that say, call Kyle. <laughs> and so these billboards were just up across middle Tennessee, call Kyle, call Kyle. And Jenna driving around in her car, seeing billboards of her ex-boyfriend that just say, call Kyle, call Kyle. <laughs> and through a course of events and seeing each other again at a, at a party. They ended up getting back together and now they're married, beautiful family. It sounds like a Hallmark movie. Call Kyle, you know, this is. <laughs> and so I, just, I was thinking about that. It looks like an interruption. 
And so if, if we want to experience the significant moments that God has for us, then we have to be open and aware of the interruptions in lives because anytime God wants to do something significant, it usually starts out interruption. In fact, this book is a book of interruptions of people who were interrupted by God, people who experienced that. God, God interrupted Noah's life and said, build a boat. He interrupted Abraham and he said, I want you to leave the land that you knew and I want you to go to another land. He, he interrupts Moses' life with a burning bush and a call to lead. He interrupts Ruth to, to move in with her mother-in-law. He, he interrupts Esther to stand before the king. He interrupts David with Goliath. He interrupts Jonah with a storm. He interrupts Mary and Joseph. He interrupts their engagement with the arrival of Jesus, some of God's best work in our lives oftentimes comes disguised as an interruption, as an interruption. I think this is one of the reasons that Jesus, they told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to think about this. When we pray this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, when we pray this prayer, we are literally begging God for an interruption. We're saying, God, I have my plans, I have my agenda, I have my will, I have what I want, but God, would you interrupt my plans with your kingdom, with your rule, with your reign, with your power, with your presence? Would you interrupt my little life with what you have going on, with what you want for me? It's a dangerous prayer. It's a powerful prayer, but I can think of nothing more wonderful in life than get to experience the plans of God who created you, who knows you, who made you, who formed you, who has a will for you, for you to experience his kingdom, God. And so we're saying, God, you are worthy to interrupt our lives. Have you ever been with a friend and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're eating lunch or you're having coffee and, you, and their phone starts ringing and they look at it and they see who it is calling and you see who it is calling? And in that moment, you wonder what? Are they going to take the call? And then they go, hey, hold on, let me take this. And you're like, well, now I know where I am on the friendship totem pole. You know, like, now I know, I know who is more worthy of an interruption. And we're saying as followers of Jesus, we're saying, Jesus, my life is always available for you to interrupt. You are the one who is worthy to call me anytime for what you want to do. And there's a... There's a place I believe that Mary and Joseph experienced an interruption, and I want to show you today where I think Jesus learned a prayer like that. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. If you've got a Bible, Luke chapter 1, we're going to pick up in verse 26 and read together, and we're going to learn together about how to respond to a divine interruption. Verse 26, it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Let's stop right there. No, we'll keep going. He said, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So Mary is this young Jewish girl living in a, in a family, poor family in Nazareth, in Galilee, and... Uh, and she is devoted to the Lord. Like, she probably would have gone unnoticed by a lot of people, but not by God. God saw her. She was devoted to God. She had a heart for God. She had a heart that was tender to the things of God. And God interrupted her plans. Mary had plans. How do we know she had plans? Because it says she was pledged to be married. That means she was engaged. Engage 
women make plans. That's all they do. Like they just make, they make plans. She had her Pinterest board. She had her bridal magazine. She was making plans for a wedding. A day that she had dreamed of since she was just a little girl. She's making plans. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. That word trouble means she was confused. She's perplexed. She's afraid. Why is she afraid? Because she's talking with an angel. <laughs> she's talking with an angel. She's afraid. She's, and, and what does the angel say? Verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you were to call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from the Lord, no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Now, Mary's a teenager. She's probably somewhere between 14 and 16-year-olds. So I want you to think that she's a high school freshman. <laughs> and she's just heard that she will carry the Savior of the world, the Messiah, in her womb. She's trying to figure out what in the world. She's trying to wrap her mind around what just happened. She's like, I've got some questions. Gabriel, can you go talk to my mom? Because I know she's going to have questions. And how do I break this news to Joseph? How do I tell Joseph? Can you imagine that conversation? Hey, Joe, um, we need to talk. I got some good news and some bad news. Right? I mean, how, how does she even begin? And, and how, would, how would Joseph respond? Because people can do the math. People will be able to tell that they're firstborn, that he's older than their anniversary. People will be able to go back and tell what's going on. In verse 20, we, we see how Joseph responds. and said he wanted to call off the engagement. This is actually in Matthew. In Matthew, I'll read to you from the scripture. It says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Now, this is a major interruption in their lives. They had dreams, they had plans, they had hopes. This was not in the plan. They had to surrender their plans to God. They had to surrender their reputations. They live in a small town where people talk. They had to surrender that to God and say, God, we will surrender our plans to your purposes. We'll take our plans and surrender our plans to your purposes because they realize that they were a part of a bigger story. And sometimes we can forget that we're a part of a bigger story. 
Even, even when we read the Bible, sometimes when we read the Bible, we can forget that we're a part of a bigger story. Sometimes we read the Bible like we read a yearbook. You remember how to read a yearbook? You know how we read a yearbook? We go to the back to the index and we look for our name and then we look for all the numbers and the pictures and then we start going through the yearbook looking for our picture, looking for where we show up. And sometimes when we read the Bible, we look at the Bible and we look like a yearbook, we start looking for us. Like we're the main character. When the message of Advent and the message of the Bible is that Jesus is the main character. It all points to him. From Genesis to Revelation, it is his story. It's history is his story. It's the story of Jesus. It's the story of God's plan for redemption for mankind. It's the story of how God took a broken, sinful people and reconciled and restored a relationship with God. God has given us hope through Jesus Christ and through Jesus living a perfect life, a life without sin, laid his life down as the perfect sacrifice for us so that we could be reconciled with a holy God, so that we could experience the presence of God, the peace of God, the hope of Christ for eternity, so that we could begin to walk with God. Now, this is the gospel. This is good news. It's the story of the scriptures. It's the story of the Bible. And in the Old Testament, over 300 prophecies point to Jesus. And in Revelation, Jesus tells us that he's coming again. And the message of the scriptures is that is not how do I, how does God, and does God speak to us through the scriptures? Yes. Does he tell us who we are through the scriptures? Yes. But more importantly, he tells us who he is. He tells us who he is, and it's not how can I get this, how can I get God on my agenda, it's how can I take my little life and weave it into this story, into his story. And the Bible tells us who he is and who we are in light of that, and Mary knew the word. Mary knew the word. In Luke chapter one, um, verses 46 through 55, there's this beautiful song that she wrote. Uh, the Magnificat, it's this beautiful nine-verse song that she wrote at age 14. I mean, somebody needs to give her a publishing deal on Music Row. Somebody needs to sign her up as a songwriter because it's, it's, it's remarkable what she, what she writes. Um, scholars have gone through and they've found over 35 references to scriptures in the Old Testament in these nine verses in Luke 1, in this song that she wrote. And so what is, she, what is she telling us? What is she, what is she, what is she sharing with us? She, what does this tell us? It tells us that Mary knew the word, that Mary loved the word, that Mary treasured the word, that before she carried the word in her womb, the word made flesh. Before she carried the word in her womb, she carried the word in her heart. She treasured the word of God. And so how, what, what leads Mary to have the courage to say yes to God's plan? Here's the thing, she knew God. <laughs> she knew that she could trust God. She knew that God was, was loving and that God is kind and that God is merciful. She knew that God would protect her and that God would provide for her. She knew the scriptures. She knew the stories of Sarah and of Hannah and of Deborah and of Ruth and of Esther and of Miriam. She knew the stories of, of women who God had given an assignment to and that he had provided for and that he had protected. She knew the stories so she could draw on her understanding of God. She had a history with God and how she knew him through his word. And so because of that understanding, she said, God, you can interrupt my life. Because of that understanding, Joseph was willing to submit his plans to God's purposes. And Mary and Joseph, they can teach us a lot about how to handle life's interruptions. 
But what I want to do, I'm going to give you, give you four applications from the text, from what we've seen. If you're going, how can I respond to God's interruptions in my life? Let me give you four applications. If you're taking notes, the first one is pre-decide who is Lord. Pre-decide who is Lord. Mary, she, she says, I am the Lord's servant. <laughs> that Lord language is about authority. You say, I believe that you are Lord, you are boss, you are CEO, that's king language. You are king over my life, your rule, your reign. God, you have a plan for me and I can trust you. God, I can trust that you have a plan for my life that's better than any plan that I could come up. That you are God, that you know what you're doing. And I can, that's not just do I believe in God, but do I trust in God? Do I trust you, Jesus, that you are a good king? And that you're gonna provide for me and you're gonna protect and you have a plan that you're running the universe so you can run my life. Like you, it's, it's why, I, Jesus, I'll trust you. I'll trust you with my family and I'll trust you with my kids. I'll trust you with my, my relationships. I'll trust you with my dating. It's saying, I'll trust you with my dating life. It's saying, Jesus, I'll trust you with my, my job and my career. I'll trust you with my business. I'll trust you with my employment. Jesus, I, I'm gonna, I'll trust you, I'll trust you with my significance. I'll trust you with my worth. It's Jesus, I'll trust you with everything. You know, it's wild how some of us go, Jesus, I'll trust you with my eternity. Isn't it crazy to think we can trust Jesus with our eternity? With our eternity, but we withhold other things from him? You say, Jesus, you are Lord. And this is a pre-decision that manages other decisions. This is why baptism is so powerful. Because when somebody's baptized, we ask them two questions. Do you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And do you commit to follow him all the rest of your life? Baptism is so powerful in that moment. It is a pre-decision. It's saying, Jesus, you are Lord over my life. And when we baptize people, um, people don't tend to like leave a foot out of the water or a hand out of the water. <laughs> Say, Jesus, all of me I'm giving to you. Jesus, you are Lord over my life. And it's the pre-decision, and every day starts with a pre-decision. Who is Lord? Number two, the first pre-decide who is Lord. Number two, make plans. Make plans. Proverbs 19, 21, a couple of scriptures, it says, many are the plans in a man's heart. It's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Proverbs 16, 3 says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Proverbs 15, 22 says, without counsel, plans fail but with many advisors, they succeed. See, the answer is not to, to not make plans. I know there's a double negative, hang with me. Is that the answer is not to withhold from making plans. Biblically, we're instructed to, to make plans. So I wanna encourage you, seek the Lord and plan. Don't just make plans and ask God to bless your plans, but seek the Lord and ask God. Make good plans, wise plans, spirit-led, scripture-fed, God-honoring, counsel-seeking, faith-filled plans. Make those plans, but then hold them just like this. Because I can tell you this, when you hold your plans too tightly, it hurts when God pries your fingers open. But if we hold our hands like this, our hands are open and say, God, here's my plans. Your kingdom come. 2020 taught us that just because we make plans doesn't mean they're going to happen. When we made plans, man, we had good plans for 2020. January, February, i tell you what we didn't plan on is a tornado. And we didn't plan on a pandemic. And we had good plans. We take our plans, we hold them up and say, God, I give, offer my plans up 
to you like this. And so we make plans, but then we pray your kingdom come. One of the reasons I think Jesus taught us to pray is um, your kingdom come, pray like this, is because of the forerunner principle. Y'all know the forerunner principle? You know the forerunner principle? I'd be worried if you did because I just made that up. But the forerunner principle <laughs> is, is this. Um, a while back, uh, Rhea and I, we started talking about, kind of talking about forerunners, and we were like, man, maybe, maybe we get a forerunner. And so we, were, we started looking for, you know, the car. We started, uh, the automobile, and so we started looking at forerunners. We started, I started researching forerunners, went test drove a forerunner, having talking about forerunners a lot. And, uh, and you, know what ha- you, know what, you know what happened is I started to see forerunners everywhere I went. Everybody had a forerunner. I was in a stoplight, mall, grocery store, neighborhood, our neighbors had forerunners. That I, did. I, started, I started to see forerunners all over the place. And it wasn't that forerunners multiplied. It wasn't that forerunners increased. It was my awareness of forerunners increased. Here's the principle. What you're praying for, you're looking for. What you're looking for, you find. When we start praying that the kingdom would come, we have eyes to see when the kingdom shows up. We have eyes to see when the kingdom arrives. When we're praying for the kingdom to come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we start to see moments and opportunities, which leads us to the fourth application, is look and listen for divine interruptions. Look and listen for divine interruptions. I'm not saying that every interruption is from God. Sometimes it's just your ADD. Squirrel, right? I mean, I'm not saying that, that every interruption is, is from God. Sometimes it's because we live in a broken, fallen world, and sometimes it's distraction. And distraction is often a, a tool of the enemy. How do you tell the difference between an interruption and a distraction? Let me just give you one of the ways. One of the ways is divine interruptions always lead us toward our calling and our purpose and our values. Distractions always pull us away. There's this great um, conversation that Henry Nouwen talks about in one of his books called Out of Solitude. Henry Nouwen writes about a conversation with a college professor. And, uh, and he, he says this, he said, I've always been complaining that my work was constantly interrupted until I slowly discovered that interruptions were my work. That the interruptions were actually the work. I read about this missionary in the Philippines back in the early 1900s. He, uh, he had this thought of like, man, what if I lived every moment with an awareness of the presence of God? I thought, man, that's a beautiful idea. And so he decided to make a game of it. And uh, he, he wrote this book called A Game of Minutes. And his goal was at the top of every minute to ask the question, Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? He said, that's how you live an entire day is that you ask that, those two questions every minute. I thought, I don't know that I can do it every minute, but maybe I can do it every interruption. Maybe with every interruption, I can ask those two questions. God, what do you want me to say? Lord, what do you want me to say? Lord, what do you want me to do? When a coworker interrupts you in the hallway, Lord, what do you want me to say? Lord, what do you want me to do? When a homeless person interrupts your night out, Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? When a friend calls you and asks for help, Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? A student interrupts you grading papers, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? A daughter interrupts you when you're cooking dinner, Lord, what do you want to say? What do you want me to do? A neighbor interrupts you, 
because they've got some damage from the storm. Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? A guy on the flight interrupts you when you're trying to take a nap. When your hoodie's pulled up and you got two AirPods in. Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? And most of the time, interruptions in life are about people. And people are messy. And people take time. And sometimes people are ungrateful. And sometimes people are unpredictable. But so are you. And so am I. And that didn't stop Jesus from showing up. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And that little infant, baby that was in Mary's womb, would grow to become the greatest servant that the world has ever known. And Jesus served. He washed feet. God of all creation, he, he washed the disciples' feet. When you read through his life, you see that he's constantly interrupted. It's hard to tell if his ministry was interrupted or if interruptions were his ministry. Over half of the miracles that we see from the life of Jesus started out as an interruption. I wonder how many miracles we miss every single day because hurry has no eyes for miracles. Hurry has no eyes for interruption. But we'd be willing to ask the question, well, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? Jesus said one time, he said, he said, I only say what I hear the Father saying and I only do what I see the Father doing. Those questions led him to the cross. Part of God's plan for his life would be that he would lay his life down for us. And before the cross, Jesus in the garden, Jesus prayed the prayer. He said, not my will, but yours be done. He said, is there any way to let this cup pass from me? Let it pass. But Father, not my will, yours be none. In other words, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be as you have said. Where did he learn to pray like that? Sounds like he learned it from his mama. Mamas, your prayers are powerful. They're shaping the prayer life of the next generation. And for us to take that prayer and to make it our prayer, and maybe today it's for you to open up your hands Say, Jesus, I give you my plans for your purposes. Maybe it's to, to step back and to say, um, Jesus, would you interrupt my life so I can extend an invitation? So that I can extend an invitation to somebody else for them to experience a, a divine moment, a divine interruption in their life to experience salvation. And we're preparing for our Christmas services but asking God, would you prepare our hearts and give us eyes to see those who you long to bring into a relationship with you? Saying, God, would you interrupt us? And then we want to have a moment of prayer at the end of services. Maybe you know somebody who their world has been interrupted by the storm last night. Or maybe you are dealing with some PTSD and storms that you've faced. And, uh, and you could just use some prayer today. We, we are here with you. And if you've experienced um, loss, 
because of the storms, we'd love to pray with you. We just want you to know you're not alone. And our prayer teams will be down front at the end of service. But I want to invite us to just open up our hands and our hearts together. So would you, uh, would you join me in that? And maybe as an expression um, with, your, with your body, with your hands, just exemplifying of your desire with your heart. And just invite you just to open up your hands. So, Father, we, yeah, we thank you that you are good. And you are always good. And even when things aren't good, you are good. And even when things are broken, you are good. And we thank you that you are always working to redeem and to restore. And so our hands are open. May you just even whisper, God, I give you my plans. I give you my agenda. My dreams, my hopes, the things that I'm working on. And I pray that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God, may we be interruptible this season. God, I pray that as a church, we would be as those who stay ready. Stay ready for your return. And stay ready when you want to show up and show up in our lives and that you would show up in our lives so that you would be glorified, so that we would be made more like you. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. amen. On your way out, we'll hand you some of those invitations. Let's have our eyes open and be interruptible for what God wants to do this Christmas.